0: What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 224 of Misfits and Rejects. I just want to take a quick second and say thank you so much for being patient with me. The last two months of me not publishing anything new has obviously been a big change from the weekly episodes that I've been publishing for the last four or five years. However, it was time well spent in Mexico, a place that I really got to reconnect with my love of culture, my love of travel so many beautiful misfits and rejects that I used to live with in Nicaragua, as well as many new ones that I got to share stories with and beers with and just good times with for the five weeks I was down in Mexico. And it really just reset my whole being. And I came back to California feeling very recharged and motivated and at peace kind of with my life situation where it's at right now and more motivated to continue to strive for where I want to get it still sticking with the idea of trying to turn misfits and rejects into a series, a Netflix series of some kind or a visual series of some kind. Uh, the path is still unclear how I will get there, but it is still after five weeks of contemplating what to do, it is still the strongest beacon of hope I have where I really think bringing these stories to life visually is going to be where I put my effort I'm still always thinking of new ideas and ways to grow Misfits and Rejects and continue to deliver value to you, the audience, and to many more people who might be interested in this type of content. Again, nothing extremely creative came to mind over the time I was contemplating it in Mexico, but that's okay. The time was well spent. I had a great time surfing and just reconnecting with my love of being in those kind of places with those kind of people getting to do what I love, which is surfing, eating, and sharing great stories with really interesting people. And today's guest is one of those interesting people. Today's guest is named Emmy Dossett. She is a water photographer down in to Mexico, who shoots primarily female longboarders. But as she states in the episode, will shoot anybody who has really beautiful style. And you meet a lot of photographers on the road, as you can imagine. But it's a hard life. It's a hard way to make a living, especially because it's so highly competitive and anybody with an iPhone these days is a photographer. So she's carved out a really cool niche for herself where she is a water photographer and she swims with these surfers. And it's much more difficult to capture images while swimming with currents and waves and tides and rocks and all the things that come with being in the water as a surfer. But she captures some really beautiful images, which you can check out on her Instagram at salty underscore C that's S a L T Y underscore S E E. I highly recommend you do check her out because her images are really beautiful and it's very inspirational to know. I think for anybody who is an aspiring photographer that it can be done and you can make a full-time living off photography in beautiful places like Mexico and other parts of the world. And she's just another Testament that with time, perseverance, persistence, persistence, you can't accomplish your dreams by going out and trying. And that's what she did. It didn't happen quickly for her. There was a lot of years spent plotting and striving to get herself to Mexico and not even really knowing what she was going to do to make a living for herself when she got there. But she landed and she's been there for three years now and she's having the best time ever living her dream life as a surf photographer in a place that she's always felt very connected to, even though... She grew up in Australia and wasn't necessarily exposed to a lot of Latin culture. She fell in love with Mexico and is living a really cool life. So I have no doubt you're going to get a lot of value out of her episode. She's just such a quotable character. I mean, there's so many value bombs she drops and just how she articulates, how she lives her life, how she finds her purpose in her day-to-day and sets her goals and moves towards them. I thought it was a really profound episode that inspired me and I know will inspire you. And if you're a first-time listener, please pull up that phone and hit subscribe. The best way that you can help me is by either sharing Misfits and Rejects with a friend, leaving a comment or rating it five stars. That helps Misfits and Rejects the most to get out there into the world and Helps me get more listeners and more people who are enthusiastic about hearing these types of stories. If you want to take the next step and support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that in one of two ways. You can either go to patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects and give a monthly donation. It's all appreciated. Nothing is expected. I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all my patrons who are supporting me month to month. It really does help. Even the littlest amount really helps in these places that I'm at. Just even buying my my guest a beer, for example, if they're a little bit nervous. That's the kind of support that Patreon can give. Artists like myself, creators like myself who are trying to deliver beautiful, valuable content to you, the listener. You can also support Misfits and Rejects by buying a t-shirt. Heading over to MisfitsandRejects.com backslash shop and picking up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. Again, I appreciate you all. I love you coming and listening to me. As I move forward with Misfits and Rejects, I will continue to publish episodes. They will not be weekly as I move forward. They might eventually go back to being weekly, but right now, I'm very happy and comfortable just meeting unique individual people and then bringing them on as I feel it's appropriate. As I'm here in California, it's not as easy to meet the types of people that I like interviewing. So there's a lot of outreach that goes into this. And so for now, I'm going to stick to this new pattern of publishing you know, publishing every so often. But I want you to know I really do love doing this. and I will continue to deliver inspiring episodes to you as frequently as I can get them out there. So thank you for the support. I really appreciate you. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Emmy Dossett. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and
1: too many bad attitudes.
0: I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear.
1: And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it, to
0: Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Emmy Dossett from Salty Sea Photography. Emmy, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure, and it was such a pleasure meeting you recently in Mexico. I was so excited to, one, be back on the road, but instantly be injected into such a wonderful community of people you have down there in Sayulita, Mexico. Um, So thank you for that, and and welcome me into your tribe.
1: No problems at all. It's a very welcoming place. Everyone sort of embraces new people from all over the world. So, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: I really did. It really rejuvenated me personally, uh, mentally, physically, my soul. (laughs) Like, I had such a wonderful trip down there and uh, really fell in love with Mexico more than I already was, which was kind of necessary because for me, I've been holding on to so many beautiful memories I've had since I left Nicaragua, and it's kind of time to let that moment of time go and kind of fall in love with a new place and get excited to come back and explore because it's such a big country. How long have you lived there for?
1: I've lived here for nearly three years, so it will be three years in June.
0: And what took you there specifically? Was it your photography career, or did you just happen to travel through and then decide to stay?
1: Um, well, it's a bit of both. Um, basically when I was younger, I, have always wanted to live abroad and when I was about 19, I got the idea in my head that I might like to live in Mexico and yeah, so basically chased that dream, um, for until I was like 33, 32 and yeah, thought I'd check it out, bought a ticket, um, and here I am.
0: Ooh, that's cool. So, at nineteen, you decided to make this a goal for yourself, but it took you what roughly fourteen years to actually bring it to fruition. Is that what I understand?
1: Yes, yes. So, um, when I was nineteen, I was working in a cafe in Brisbane, Australia, and um, one of my work colleagues was Mexican, and he used to tell me all about Mexico, um, where he's from, and his culture, and everything like that, and yeah, it, I just sort of thought maybe one day I would really like to go and check it out. And I think I'd really like to live there. Um, the vibe and the just everything about what he told me really felt like me and my personality. And yeah, I looked into doing um, university abroad and, you know, traveling there to Mexico, but never really got there. And then I traveled a lot through South America. I spent about nine months um, with the intention to get to Mexico but never happened and um, yeah for my 30th birthday I was like that's it I'm going I'm going to go and check it out and see what this urge is all about and when I got here I realized that yes this is the place that I want to live so I went back to Australia and spent the next two years saving and working um, so I could get back here.
0: Oh, I love how this is unfolding because there's so much of your reality coming through in that it wasn't just like you had the means to buy a ticket, fuck off for a year, and live in Mexico like you had to strategically plan, set a goal, strive for that goal in a roundabout way, like not achieve that goal for um you know when you were in South America, and then having to go back reset, and take another two years to actually achieve that like That's one, a huge accomplishment. Two, what a beautiful internal drive. And three, it's really exciting that you kind of followed that intuitive sort of thing inside of you that was telling you you had to give this a try. And now you've been there for three years. Can you touch upon any one of those aspects I just articulated that sounds like relevant in a way that you could impart maybe some wisdom, I guess, onto the audience of like when they have that calling, what are some really helpful steps they could you could tell them to take to maybe make that dream come true.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess that's how I really uh, lead and live my life. It's all about how I feel about something. Um, So normally when I get something in my head or feel something, I normally, even if I can't do it straight away, I normally know that I have to try it out. One, one part, like sometime in my life. Um, So, Um, I guess it was more, I feel like the intuition spoke louder to me when I was diverting off onto the wrong path. So, yeah, so I'd get these sort of, um, urges to check out Mexico and I'd like try and make it work with my university. And at the time I couldn't really afford it. So I sort of left it there at the back of my head and, just always knew that you know I started to learn Spanish and then when I was in South America I was like oh I know like the culture really really resonated me and really excited me and like anything to do with Latin America really really lit me up so um even though I didn't get to Mexico that time I knew that if I was meant to go I would know so when I came back to Australia, I actually – so the reason why I didn't get to Mexico when I was in South America was um, I ran out of money and I came back to Australia to save and I was with my partner at the time and we ended up breaking up. And so I then came back to Australia, started earning money and was like, that's it. I, I'm i focusing on me now, what I want And I actually bought a ticket to London to go and live um, because it was the easy option because I have a British passport. Um, My job at the time, I was a motion graphics designer in television. I had a lot of connections in London, so I could have just walked straight into a job. I had friends in London who were, um, you know, I could stay with and live with. So everything was so easy for me. So I bought the ticket and... I actually remember, I think it was about three weeks before I was meant to go, I was living in Bondi in Sydney and I was walking down the road and I walked past a Mexican restaurant and some Mexican kids playing in the street and they were speaking Spanish and I just started crying. And I went home and I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I going to London? Like... It's the easy option. I've always wanted to go to Latin America. Like I've spent so much time trying to learn Spanish. I've like every time I go out and there's Latino music playing, I get excited. Like I love everything about Mexican culture, the food, the the art. And so, yeah, I just I started to really listen to those, I guess you could say intuitive hits, you know, like what was making me, what was driving me to you know, keep going to Mexico, and so yeah. Finally, um, in for my thirtieth birthday that year, I decided that I was going to do everything possible to save and go. And when I got here, I knew I knew straight away that I was. This was it. And um, yeah, I actually cried when I left Mexico back to Australia. I didn't want to leave, um, but I guess just really knowing that these intuitive hits were like you know a dream like just to keep following them and keep tuning into them and um if something didn't work out at that particular time it's you know it's not a sign to say stop um it's the wrong dream it's just a sign to say not right now keep going so
0: wow emmy that's so profound and so beautiful and well said i can't even say like how inspirational that was just for me to hear you know and I'd like to take a quick little like pause and and shout out to my friend Wallace who's listening right now and just let him know you should probably rewind what she just said buddy and and listen to that because it really helps in fleshing out those things that we desire but don't know like necessarily how to move towards for anybody listening it's so valuable, like you just said, those those little intuitive hits that keep reoccurring in your gut, in your heart, wherever you might feel them, that if you don't scratch that itch, if you will, or go and see, those hits will keep coming and get stronger, most likely, throughout your life. And, you know, unfortunately for some who either don't have the opportunity or don't try, you know, you might you might never know if you don't go and see. Just, And I'm so stoked that you explained it in that way. It's so cool. When did uh photography come into the picture?
1: Um so I actually studied photography back in high school um when I was 16 um back on the, back with yeah black and white film developing in the dark room. Mm-hmm. And then I put down my camera for 10 years and um went to university just to study design and I enjoyed it um I really liked it and but then after I went into my career I was very fortunate to get a really good job straight away so I went um went straight into a very good job um but after about I don't know maybe I want to say like nearly 10 years five years after I went into my job in TV, Um, I kept going to buy a camera, kind of the same story with Mexico. And, again, like I never really had enough money or, you know, like the camera I really wanted was like, yeah, just a little bit too much. And so I'd be like, okay, I'll keep saving because even though I didn't own a digital camera, like a, a DSLR, I knew I wanted like when I bought it, I wanted to buy the one that would you know suit what I wanted to shoot and so rather than buying just a cheaper camera I'd rather save up and buy a good one although I did start out with a GoPro but um yeah so again just kept going into camera shops and like you know pricing out cameras and then one day finally was able to get a digital camera and bought one and um that was in 2015 And, yeah, literally I bought that camera, not with the intention of making it my job, but, like, I bought a good enough camera that if, you know, if I did want to sort of do it part-time or whatever, I would have really good quality images. Um, But, yeah, literally bought the camera at the beginning of 2015 and as soon as I bought it, Instagram was, I think it had just started or it was very, you know, new. And I got invited to exhibit my work um, within that year and then got asked to shoot friends and then other people and then it just kind of rolled on from there.
0: Wow, you sound like a huge talent in the eyes of your peers. And, I mean, I've seen your stuff and it's amazing. But there are a million photographers out there. I mean, everybody's technically a photographer now with their iPhones, you know, and the quality of photos is pretty good. And my question to you is like, I've met a ton of photographers on the road and you're probably the first one I've ever met that is actually a viable photographer, like really making her life work financially. You can travel still within Mexico. You can go home like you have the financial security to live the life in the way you want from photography. And that's an incredible accomplishment. So maybe can we direct the audience to your Instagram so they can kind of check out your work right now?
1: Yeah, sure. So my Instagram is Salty underscore C, but S-E-E.
0: Nice. In, yeah, 2C. And, yeah. and you are primarily a surf photographer, or how would you describe what you do?
1: Yeah, I would say like a ocean photographer that specializes in surf. Um, I do mostly surf and lifestyle and also a bit of um, ocean landscapes for fine art stuff. But um, yeah, primarily a surf photographer.
0: So then that means what professional surfers or the companies that they ride for are employing you to film them while they're in Mexico or somewhere in the world?
1: Yes. So basically, um, I shoot a lot for brands. Um, So they'll send me product down to Mexico now with covid but sometimes yeah we get to travel a little bit um and then i shoot the product on surfers i mainly specialize with female longboarders um and then also i do shoot um yeah professional surfers and then um you know sell that content to their sponsors um yeah
0: what does a shot go for these days when you're selling the the individual photos
1: Uh, It really depends on, like, the brand and what they want it for, Um, like, you know, and if they want it exclusively. Um, But, yeah, basically, like, anywhere from – if they want it for, like, licensing for a year, unexclusive, like, anywhere from $500 US up.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's,
1: like, all unlimited use, like, you know, billboards, uh, digital, everything. Okay.
0: see. How – are your business chops I mean you sound like you know what you're doing and negotiating negotiating your own what contracts with these companies like how is that developed within, within your life
1: it's been tough <laughs> it's not easy um, it's it's definitely something that um, I've had to really I guess learn I'm really lucky that I worked in media for 12 years, like as a designer. So I already have um, a bit of an insight to how these things work. Um, But yeah, it's not easy, especially when you're your own boss and, you know, you've got, you have to do everything, you know, from knowing your legal stuff, knowing, yeah, basically I'm a self-taught photographer. I've done a few courses, um, at art and art school but yeah basically i'm self-taught in business and in photography and yeah it's difficult but i'm very 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 fortunate that i have an amazing support network of um, entrepreneurs um, professional photographers um, yeah and then just awesome friends and family that support me along the way that give me amazing business advice
0: that's awesome when you were in the motion was it motion pictures or tv
1: motion graphics
0: motion graphics what does that mean
1: um so it's like basically animation um not the traditional sense of animation but yeah motion graphics is more like um i used to work in the promotions department in tv so when we'd promote a new show we would create um we'd work with, closely with an editor who would put together like edit a promo and then we would edit the graphics. So sometimes it would just be typography. Other times it would be like, um, like 2d animation or a bit of 3d animation. So kind of similar to um, title sequences um, before you watch a movie.
0: Interesting. So yeah, you, you said you had a career doing this for 12 years and the word career comes up a lot in the episodes that I do with many beautiful people around the world. And they always come to that point where they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I want something else for my life. When, when did that moment come and What was that moment like for you?
1: Um, that moment sort of haunted me for a while. Um, I would have these moments where I think when I started my career, I really loved, um, you know, being creative, working with the team and, you know, editing content with music and the projects that I worked on. But it was very long hours and it's always in front of a computer and, you know, super labour intensive. So I think when it really started to bug me was probably maybe five or so years in um, where I just would – my energy would just be really – low from you know the amount of hours I would spend um in front of a computer and also I love film I'm a huge film fan but um and I don't watch tv except now with like Netflix and stuff but growing up I wasn't I wasn't hugely into television yet I was working in the television industry and yeah just after a while um I just sort of realized that hang on a second, like like even though I love being creative and I love creating things and working with creative teams and, you know, it wasn't what was – I didn't feel like it was what I was meant to continue doing. There was something else that I was meant to continue doing because, yeah, like these creations, they were – basically they – Weren't really my my artwork, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, your creative expression that feeds your soul. I hear what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But what's very interesting, and I'd like to go a little deeper into it with you on, is that you had this feeling come up five years into your career, but you stayed twelve years total. So going back to the start of the conversation, where that internal sort of intuitive, you know, knocking was happening so powerfully to you know drive you to Mexico. I mean you sat for what six years and this is re- I think very relevant to a lot of people listening right now who are in that situation and they're over it, you know, but they don't necessarily have the know-how, the maybe the fears holding them back. So take us through like what that five six years was like where you had this intuition like this is not where I'm meant to be but you still stayed and you still did it every single day.
1: Yeah, it was It was interesting because I knew um, deep down, as I said, that it wasn't kind of where I was meant to stay, but I didn't know exactly what I was meant to do next. And so I basically kind of took it as, okay, like I know that this is not what I want to do forever, but I don't know what I want to do exactly what I want to do so I'm just going to keep going until I know exactly what I want to do and um I also was able to grow in that career I was able to work my way up um to be a senior designer lead designer um and basically just used it as a stepping stone to get to wherever I was meant to go next um because I had a lot of ideas come into my head, like, you know, maybe I, I also write. So I was like, maybe I should be a writer, or um, you know, maybe I should go more into editing and videography. And I think that around the time I decided that I wanted to go to London was when I realized, and it was all coincided with the camera really. I sort of, And once it, that was gaining momentum, I realized that's the path that I was meant to go on. And that, you know, that still took a couple of years until I leaped fully into photography. But I always, there was a point where I was like, I can't, you know, I wanted to throw it all away and just be like, I'm sick of this. But I, I sort of worked through that. I do a lot of self-development work. Um so I worked through that and I was like no it's not my time to leave this profession yet. I need to use this as a stepping stone. Like I need the stability and the security while I figure my next steps out. And I when I say figure my next steps out, like I don't I'm not very good at planning and I'm I'm very good at following things intuitively, but um I sort of have ideas about things and then I'm like, okay, cool. I think this is the way I want to go and, you know, normally whatever needs to happen falls into place and then I'm like, oh, cool, okay, this is what's happening now. So, yeah, basically just knowing like, you know, halfway through my career knowing that it wasn't the be or end all but knowing that I still was being um, creatively fulfilled and that, it was leading me to my next step was sort of how I got through, you know, the last five, six years.
0: And when you did finally cut the cord and quit, did you have a nice little chunk saved up? I mean, did you have assets? Did you own a house? Did you have own a car? Can you give us some perspective on when you did decide to give it all up and chase your dream? What did you have and what did you do? Yeah,
1: this is a very interesting um, question because – um, they say to have like six months saved up and everything like that. So I had, you know, a chunk of money, um, saved.
0: Can not tell um, us how much, like, was it three grand, five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand?
1: I had 10 grand saved up Australian. And, um, basically when I was going to Mexico, I, up until that point, I was like, okay, I know that, you know, I've got to go and, go back to Mexico but at that point I wasn't sure if I was going to work and travel for a few months or live so I had the money, chunk of money and um, I quit my job and I left and I got here and within the first week I knew that I was going to live here instead of just work and travel so but <laughs> I basically spent the next four months i worked as a surf instructor and i just kind of lived in mexico i didn't pursue my photography straight away i was doing it but not like to earn money or anything and so by the time i actually got my ass into gear um i think i had a thousand dollars left and then that's when i decided to start working as a photographer so it was very stressful in the at least the first six months um, of diving fully into it, because um, I the, all the money I saved I sort of used that to sort of figure out things or just you know enjoy living in Mexico and working as a surf photographer. But when I took the leap, um, yeah, I only had a thousand dollars left, and. I didn't earn much money for the first couple of weeks and then I got on a really good momentum and then I flooded my water housing and was without a camera for three months.
0: Ooh, the trials and tribulations. Let's go deep into those. So no money, you're getting there and then you blow it by accidentally flooding your water housing, ruining your camera. Then what?
1: So I uh, had a major meltdown. <laughs> um was contemplating coming back to Australia and then I was like, "Nope, I'm going to do this. So I was able to borrow some money off some friends to get that all repaired because Mexico is very strange with um, like it's just really hard to pay for things sometimes here like, you know, some places accept cards, other places don't. Anyway, so I was able to say borrow some money um, to get my camera fixed and then I spent the next three months um, getting by. I fell back on my design work. Um, I also did some dog walking. What else did I do? I think they were the two main things I did while I was waiting for my camera to be repaired. I borrowed cameras off friends and did some um, little jobs. And, yeah, I, just, I made it through, like I was able to get there um, through the three months. And as soon as I got it back, I went and photographed at Mexi Log Fest, which is a um, longboard sort of competition festival held here in Mexico and um, some of the best longboarders in the world compete there. Well, some, pretty much all the best um best longboarders in the world compete there and yeah so I got my camera back the week before that went down there photographed there and it, that was life-changing and I knew exactly before that I was shooting a lot of surf schools um and tourists in town and then when I went down to Mexi Log Fest I knew uh, yeah I want to focus on professional surfers and um or even not just professional surfers, just surfers with style that I was attracted to, um, that I could create beautiful images with their beautiful style. So even if they weren't professional, just really beautiful, stylish, good surfers. And, yeah, and then um, that's kind of where it's really, really, you know, started to take off. Um, And, yeah, I sort of started to really – tap into exactly where i wanted to take my career
0: that's cool and you know going back to finding your purpose for anybody's listening like it doesn't necessarily have to always be that one thing you're going to do for the rest of your life or that one thing that's going to change the world for better you know like emmy just described finding her purpose was going to her career every day that she was quasi fulfilled by but getting burnt out on looking for opportunities in various ways and testing the water until she felt confident that her purpose was to really give mexico a try does that sound about right yep totally and, and i think that's something that a lot of people get hung up on is like they they're looking for their purpose but it never kind of like they never have that firework sort of moment where are like aha like this is my purpose in life and then they never do anything and they don't act on anything, and they just kind of stay stuck. So I thought you did such a beautiful job of explaining like, kind of how you found your purpose in life, and your purpose was to move to Mexico, give it a shot, go through the trials and tribulations that you did, and now finding your yourself in a place that you love, doing something you're absolutely passionate about, making a living doing it, and I think honing in into a um, not a niche, but like a, a way of being that, you're completely fulfilled by and confident that you're doing the right thing with your life.
1: Yeah, totally. Like I, to be honest, I had no idea that this is where I was going to end up. I guess we never do, but like, you know, I never, I never would imagine that when I sat there and thought, Oh, I don't want to do this forever. What am I going to do that? I would be doing this. So I was, um, very fortunate actually, um, Actually, I should tell you about what inspired me to become a surf photographer too. Please. Um, So when I was still working as a motion graphics designer, I met these two girls from Hawaii. Um, They were in Byron Bay and um, they were filming a web series, web documentary um, about – you know, sustain, sustainability, eco-travel, um, sustaining culture in um, all these different locations around the world. And the photographer slash videographer on this series was incredible. And both the girls were super awesome. And um, But when I saw the photographer videographer's work, I was like, oh, my God that's what I want to do like and she inspired me to like yeah she basically showed me what I wanted to do without me even realizing it and she's one of the best female surf photographers in the world so um, I was very fortunate to be inspired by her and meet her and work with her and also um, the yeah, work on the creative project with her and Allison, who's also an amazing individual, very inspiring individual with the stories she tells through her um, web documentaries.
0: One thing that I think is really cool and unique about you too is that you don't just stand on the beach shooting the surfers, which a lot of photographers do. You actually get in the water and you swim, which makes what your makes your craft, what you create, exponentially more difficult because of the circumstances you find yourself in with with currents and water on the lens and water in in the housing where it ruins your camera yes. um talk about that because i think that's a big part of what makes you unique and special and what helps you also create such a, a beautiful end result
1: yeah it's um it's definitely um you know an added challenge to the photography well i for me i find it um second nature but yeah there is a lot of factors that are yeah like you have to you know be extra aware of yeah as you said currents like you have to be aware of the swell you have to be aware of the surfers like if there's a lot of surfers and um yeah when you're out there it's super super um I guess some days it's super easy you just float there and you know just take your photos but then when the conditions are tricky it's a challenge and but it's a challenge that really excites me because you know you're watching the surfer come down the line but then you're also watching other surfers and then you're watching the wave and you're like judging whether you can how long you can just hold it there before you have to go under to get out of the surfer's way or like to make sure you don't get um you know, pumbled by the wave, like it's like it's an adrenaline rush trying to like make it all work together. And, yeah, um, there's definitely been times where um, I've had some – I've never been really injured or anything, but I've definitely had a few close calls. Um, I, you know, I've been out in surf that – has really freaked me out like i don't even know how big it was but you know maybe i want to say maybe over seven foot or seven foot um and like heavy beach breaks which i don't normally shoot at i normally shoot on point breaks um which are a lot easier because you can sit in the channel um and sort of avoid the impact zone um but, yeah, there's, it's, it's a challenge and um, there's always something different to be aware of, um, whether it's the amount of surfers in the water or, yeah, just the conditions. But, yeah, the best memory I have, the best um, challenge memory I have is um, it took me 40 minutes one time to swim into position. Um, when I was at Mixi Log Fest, it was the finals day and it was like, I think it was between six to eight foot and I was swimming out and yeah like the current was so strong that yeah it took me 40 minutes to swim out to where the other photographers were swimming and just before I got to them like I don't know maybe five ten meters from them um, this really wide set came through and we all got caught in the inside and dragged and I had to swim again for another like 15 minutes and I finally got in position and it was epic. Like it was so epic. Like it was just the energy in the water because it was finals day and then the other photographers. But, yeah, I, I almost gave up and then I was like, no way. Like there's no way I'm giving up. I Even if it takes me an hour to get into position, I'm just going to keep swimming. And, yeah, the Hawaiian photographers were, like, really impressed. They were like, because obviously they they have those conditions all the time plus you know probably way more complicated than that and they were like yeah we were impressed that the aussie girl could you know swim that um 40 minutes against the current so yeah it was pretty fun
0: can you count how many other female water photographers there are in the world i mean it's probably a small group of you right
1: well, interesting enough, I think there's actually a lot. Um, obviously, compared to men, not as many, but, like, there's a, there's quite a big um, female surf community in Australia um, and here, you know, I think here in Sayulita, Mexico, there's how many of us is there? There's, like, there's probably about five girls here um, that shoot in the water I, I don't, I wouldn't, the amount of women that make a full-time living off it, I'm not 100% sure, but I'd say that it's a smaller
0: percentage than males. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. What is it like for, yeah, I'd love to touch upon this. What is it like, you know, being a single white female living in Mexico? I think there's a lot of people, especially in America, who are terrified of Mexico because the media in America just makes it sound horrific and there's obviously that fear that a lot of females have of traveling some of it's i think justified some of it i think is irrational what do you think i mean being there having lived there for the last three years can you talk to some females in the audience about what your experience is like
1: yeah for sure um yeah well it's for me it's Obviously, it's not going to be easy um, because, you know, there's a lot of factors like cultural um, differences and everything like that and, you know, you attract a lot more attention because, you know, um, you're seen as exotic um, and, yeah, there is moments where it's really difficult but I think overall it's not as scary as um, it's made out to be Um I think if you, I don't know, I feel like sometimes maybe I'm oblivious to something, so therefore they don't worry me. But I also do feel that if you have that fear already, you're going to see it through that lens. So things, yeah, you're going to probably experience things differently um, if you've already got, you know, a lot of fear about it. But um, I think as a female, solo female, living here um you you definitely have to just be a little bit more cautious um about different things like you know being on your own and like even just um negotiations with people or stuff like that um I always ask if I'm negotiating um like prices for things and stuff like that or you know I always get advice of people that I know and I trust. Um, and even just for, you know, doing certain things here, um, like travelling on your own or or driving somewhere, I always just ask, you know, a male friend, is it safe? But um, generally speaking, I feel really safe here. Like I feel safe. The community here is beautiful and you know, you get to know everyone pretty quickly. And I feel like um, there's so many beautiful things about Mexico that, you know, the people are so warm and open and friendly. And, yeah, I feel like if you if you sort of focus on that, um, for the most part, it's really, really
0: safe. Yeah, that's how I felt when I was there as well. And I think what you said really articulated correctly that if you are fearful and looking through a lens of fear, you're going to find things that are scary. (laughs) And that's in any kind of situation in any country around the world under all circumstances. So I think it's important that if you do have fear, which I still get nervous sometimes when I'm going to a new place that prior to arriving has been described as dangerous or whatever, um, just like you articulated using your senses and doing the things that you would normally do in your own hometown where it's like not walking down dark alleys, looking for cocaine at two in the morning or something like that, you know? Um, But sometimes it does take a little bit for it to wear off like that sort of fear. And the, the ideas that have been implanted in your brain, whether it's through media, friends, family, sometimes it takes, you know, a week for it to really wear off and you start, relaxing and seeing that all those fears are unrealistic and unfounded and these people are actually friendly and helpful and um, maybe it was dangerous in the 80s when there was a revolution going on for example like in Nicaragua but like it's not like that anymore and people are super friendly and it's easy to get around and I think that it's important that like you stated just to keep an open mind and and be aware
1: totally yeah and I think too like there obviously what you know the media portray- portrays about Mexico, like there is dangerous things for sure. But people have to realize that it's if, if you're not in that world, meaning like the narco's world, narco's world, then it's not going to affect you. Like you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're not there target that you're not part of the the danger basically so and you're not going to see that stuff um you know maybe after you leave here for a while but it's not going to be in your everyday life you know um and yeah of course that fear takes a while to wear off um but if you know if you give it a go i'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised
0: absolutely yeah it's a mexico the home of many loving people who want to live a normal life without violence and they do you know they do live their life very normally without violence and the things that are portrayed that are real you know in the media but it's pockets of mexico that you can easily go around there are roads that you can drive around those states in mexico easily if you feel uncomfortable going through them
1: totally um, yeah
0: do you mind me asking what your cost of living is per month, roughly?
1: Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I can tell you what things cost. I, I probably can't add it all up in my head. Completely. Like, what, what's
0: what's your rent cost, roughly?
1: So, my rent is 5,500 pesos a month plus utility. So, let's say 6,500.
0: So, it's like which, 300 bucks a month.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And then what else like mm, wi-fi is like 30 bucks a month i'd say um electricity depends i cannot figure out their system here um sometimes it's like a hundred dollars and then last month it was twenty dollars so i don't know how it works um but yeah still Considering like you know you're not going to pay a hundred bucks every every two months, so it's still pretty cheap. Um, What else? You know I get by. I spend probably a thousand pesos a week on food, and maybe a thousand pesos on just you know fun, going out for dinner, doing whatever I want. Um, You can get by on less money, and obviously you can spend more money. but yeah, that's basically... So
0: 50 bucks a week on food. So that's 200 bucks a month on food plus the utilities and stuff. So roughly like, say, six 700 bucks a month because you're not really a drinker. So
1: No, yeah. Maybe say like, yeah, I'd say that. You could get away with that.
0: And then your photography brings in quite a bit more than that? Or are you just like breaking even?
1: Well... It's an, that's an interesting thing because COVID has kind of affected my business a lot. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So although I had my best months, December and January or more November, um, December, but, um, but then, you know, it's been really quiet the last two months. So, and before that it was really quiet. So before COVID hit, um, I was probably, yeah, I was definitely making that much and a little bit more. Um, And then COVID hit and I didn't really earn much for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I feel like it's getting momentum again. Um, But, yeah, as I said, it's been quiet the last couple of months. But um, April's looking very busy. I've got some bookings coming in and May's busy too. So, yeah. So at the moment, Yeah. Not every month I make a lot of money. Um, Sometimes I don't make any at all, but yeah, it's, you know, it sort of all works out that I can definitely live here comfortably and, um, and, you know, save a bit as well.
0: Nice. If you could speak to one audience member who's listening, who Desires the same kind of lifestyle that you have as a photographer who's aspiring to get their career going. What kind of things could you say to them to kind of inspire them to take that first step?
1: Okay, what would I say to them? I would say to them that you're never you're never going to know if you don't try, um, and it's your journey. So even if things don't work out, at least you gave it a go, and at least you can say you gave it a go um I don't really believe in failure even though you know it is a fear we all have but whenever I sort of feel like I'm failing and then I look at it I realize that there's there's no right or wrong there's no failing it's just you gave it a go and yeah I guess my biggest advice is if you really 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 want to do something um find a way to do it or just know that you will find a way to do it and where there's a will, there's a way. And, yeah, like I don't know. I'd rather know that I tried to do something than, you know, a few years down the track or when I'm old, like, you know, older thinking I really wish I did that and sort of wondering my whole life. So I don't know. I'm a big believer in that, you know, There's always going to be something that um, sort of helps you out no matter what. So, if you can, if you can, if you've got the drive to jump off and give it a go, and just know that, you know, the universe has always got your back no matter what, no matter if you, you know, run out of money, flood your housing, or whatever. You know, there's always something that's going to happen that's going to help you get through. So, yeah, do it and let the universe support you.
0: I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for your time, Emmy. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being on here and sharing my story and the opportunity to do that.
0: Awesome, Emmy. Thank you so much for your time and sharing so openly your experience and how you got yourself to Mexico, living your truth, living your life purposefully, doing what you want. It's really inspirational to me, and I know the audience is super inspired by you and your story. So thank you again for sharing that. Folks, check her out on her Instagram at salty underscore C. That's S-A-L-T-Y underscore S-E-E. And you can see some of those beautiful images that she captures in the water. Such an amazing talent. What a beautiful human being. Thank you again, Emmy. And again, please remember, if you want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that in a few ways. If you want to help me spread the Misfits and Rejects message, sharing this episode with a friend is the most beneficial, helpful way to get this message out there commenting on misfits and rejects leaving a five-star rating also helps people when they're searching podcasts to listen to it helps me pop up if you want to support misfits and rejects and the creative process you can do that in one of two ways heading over to patreon.com backslash misfits and rejects and giving a monthly donation anything's appreciated nothing is expected and thank you so much to my patrons right now who are donating monthly it really does help and make a difference, so thank you so much. As well as if you wanted to go over to MisfitsAndRejects.com backslash shop and pick up a MisfitsAndRejects t-shirt, that is another way you can support MisfitsAndRejects. I really appreciate you all who have and sent me the photos of you wearing them. It's always fun to see people around the world wearing MisfitsAndRejects t-shirts. I love it. really makes me excited knowing that, that MisfitsAndRejects is turning into a community, a brand, a brand of sorts of people who are like-minded and and like this type of lifestyle or like hearing these types of stories. So, thank you so much. And as always, I think you all are so very beautiful. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being patient with me over the last 2 months of me not publishing. As I said, I will continue to create episodes for you, but it just won't be weekly. It might go back to being weekly sometime in the future, but for right now, as I'm stuck in California and not it's not as easy for me to get out there interviewing the types of people that I want to interview, I will just continue to, when I find them, interview them and put up a episode. So there will be episodes, just not weekly. So thank you so much for the support and continuing to listen to Misfits and Rejects and I'll see you next time. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspired you to think about your life situation, where you're at and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out and spread your wings and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you and I'll see you next time.